that a cramps shirt? The cramp- no, it's the cramped that uh, that uh, blog. That's a write- minimalist writing blog that I contributed to uh, last month. The blog shirt. It's a bl- it's a shirt of a blog. Got, got paid in the shirt. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Standards are coming down. <laughs> this podcast sucks. I'm going home. <laughs> There's no shirt. Oh, shit. If there I'm were a home. shirt in it, people might listen more. <laughs> we should have a shirt for our podcast. Sure. We could wear them. You and I could wear them as we talk. <laughs> we put them on, have our names on them as the years go by and we surrender to, sal- to salinity, to senility. <laughs> we can- <laughs> wait, oh, wait, are we going to drown ourselves in the ocean? We're surrendering to in salinity? Salt? Yeah. <laughs> it is by our shirts that we will know that we are the each other's podcast co-hosts. Yeah. We must yeah. never forget that we are each other's podcast co-hosts first and foremost, Ed. Even we'll just before- be in a nursing home talking into pepper shakers. But- <laughs> Of course, pepper shakers will probably. But it'll do. We'll probably do. have a wireless connection to computers by the time we're in the home. So they did all. Well, I thought most of the spice rack was 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 wired. <laughs> I know. I've been under the suspicion that my turmeric has been listening in for some years now. Uh. Uh, anything new in your life this week that you'd like to talk to me about here on the podcast? Well, let me think. No. <laughs> I was thinking when I got up this morning, I was lying in bed thinking, oh, dear. I don't have anything to say today. But we always have something to say, even when we have nothing to say. So what have you done? So are you all are you all in session? Are you schooling? Are you teaching? Is that started yeah, yet? Yeah. It was kind of a weird thing this year where... Um, Labor Day did not used to be a holiday at Cornell. For it, uh, it might no, it, a little no, too red. Yeah, nobody got off for Labor Day. I don't know. I don't know if it was too red, but we used to always have classes on Labor Day. So I'm teaching Monday, Wednesday. First day of classes was a Tuesday. I met Wednesday, and it's the day when, because um, I mean, we're very lucky that our our creative writing classes are popular. But as a result, we're all overbooked. We, you know, more mm-hmm. more students show up than can take the class, and I had to cut seven or eight people. So I collect manuscripts, yeah. and then I have to do the thing that I hate, which is making judgments about who I can better best serve as their teacher. Which means just telling people essentially you're not good enough for the class, which is which is a reductive way of looking at it, and not really the truth. But it's the way everyone is going to look at it, and it makes me sad. Um, because I love everyone. Could be a great favor for some people. It, it could be. It could be the ult- the greatest service that you're doing <laughs> at uh, Cornell University. You know, but you don't need to have that service done for you when you're eight, 19 or 20. You sh- I, th- I I think you ought to even if you're <laughs> <laughs> You know, 16's we don't good. 16, 17's too late for something. I wouldn't want a uh, I must say I wouldn't want a um video feed for this podcast, but what I would like is to have just be able to press a key on my keyboard, and when I do, it screenshots your facial expression and immediately tweets <laughs> it. So just a just a running tally of your your moods would. Appear you can um, you can print screen. You can save screen. It's, <laughs> it's within within the technological capabilities. 
I could certainly do it. Maybe I'll try it a few times. (laughs) Hotkey. Hotkey. Just code a hotkey. That's that great um, New Orleans jazz number. Hotkey. Hotkey. Uh, So what was I saying? So anyway. Hotkey is uh, uh, D sharp. There's no D sharp, is there? No, there's a D sharp. It is. It's hot too. It's pretty hot. I could pry it off the keyboard and show it to you. No E sharp. No, there's no E sharp. But it's F. Yeah. Yeah. I think there are situations in which you could call it an E sharp, but those are odd. But anyway, (laughs) uh, so first day classes is Tuesday. Wednesday, I have the hand me your manuscripts, and then we have you know we're all these people are there in the classroom, so I have a little. What are you reading? I ask the students to bring a, their favorite opening paragraph to something so we can listen to a bunch of examples of a good opening paragraph. But half the, you know, a lot of these people I'm not, are not going to be in the class, so I don't want to get too attached. So I dismiss them, and then usually I come back on Monday and teach the first class, but we had the day off. So a full week later, we have the actual first class, and it, right. it feels very late. It feels like we're behind schedule. Yeah. But you I made are. them. I made them do those uh, mistranslations that I was I was doing over the summer as an assignment. Yeah, and yeah. Um, they said they had fun. I haven't read them yet. I'll be reading them tomorrow. But um, but uh, I'm trying to be I'm trying to be more uh, professorial. I am requiring that things be handed in, for instance, at specific yeah. times. Very I, very stuffy. Of yeah. I'm asking them to uh, when they you know they send an editorial memo to their peers for workshop. I'm asking them to also copy me on it, and then I'm going to keep track of who is and who is not sending. So editorial that it gets memos. done. So that it gets done with some yeah. decorum. Yeah. Yeah, which I always thought it was sort of gauche to do that. I I just wanted I figured we could all be trusted. But the past couple of years, I've been getting a lot of kvetching from uh from students about not getting comments from certain people whereas my my feeling is in a workshop if you're not getting comments from somebody you probably don't want the comments that they would be compelled to give you um it's true it's true but, but still you keep up appearances you know yeah yeah you have to hold everybody to it <clears throat> and maybe people are lazy uh, even thoughtful people are lazy so maybe they'll, uh, um, you know, they'll be worthwhile comments. Yeah. Even if maybe. they don't want to do it. That could be. That could be. What, uh, anything new in the lunch offerings in uh, your campus life as you return to, to school? No, sadly Still no. soup down on the first floor? Yeah, but you know what? My favorite soups all last semester and now this semester so far, my favorite soups are not on offer the days when I'm on campus. So let me guess your favorite soups. All right. Broccoli cheese. <laughs> Do you like the uh, broccoli cheese soup? There is a broccoli cheddar, uh, and it's I like it all right. It's not one of my favorites, but I will definitely accept it when it is offered. Just a basic vegetable soup. With a nice roll. Oh, always with a nice roll. That's not on my favorites yeah. list. Again, uh, one that I would go for. Here, here's what was on offer the other day. Peppery. A peppery basic vegetable soup. Peppery basic I could go with. I especially like a minestrone that's a little peppery, but I don't like a minestrone that's not cooked at home because 
they put in the pasta at the same time as everything else, and it quickly so, becomes yeah. a mess. Yeah. It's just debris. Yeah, it's so debris soup. You can't you can't put the pasta you can't put the pasta in the minestrone and then stick it in the fridge for three days. You got to make the pasta separately and combine them. You know, right I'm before you eat it. Yeah. So anyway, uh, no, my favorites are Thai carrot, mm. which is really a puree. Um, no, hold on. There, the other ones. I'll just, I'll just bring it up on the internet because you can. Um, is that a hot soup? Yeah. Or a cold soup? No, it's a hot soup. They do offer a gazpacho in the warmer, warmer days. Um. So okay. Uh. Yeah, they were closed on Monday when I was in there for a meeting. Wednesday, oh, creamy potato, cabbage, and Mexican vegetable were available on Wednesday. And uh, they're not, not, not my favorites, you know. And none of none of my favorites are on the entire week's menu. So I don't know. I don't know what to do about that. So too yeah, many, as, as is often the case with young writing, too many adjectives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Too many adjectives. You're right. You're right. All right. So here are the ones I here are the ones I dig. Cauliflower curry is one of them. Um, I like the Cuban black bean. I liked East African stew. That's very, very good. Ground nut. Bush meat, mostly? <laughs> yeah, it's mostly bush meat. Ground nut, which is a, a peanut thing. Yeah. Uh, their mulgatani is good. Uh, Thai carrot is very good. And uh, those, are, those are the ones. Those are my favorites from this I'll have list. the curried cauliflower, please. It's good. You want the yeah, recipe? It's right. I'll link to the. I put this in the notes before, but I'll do it again. The Temple of Zeus <laughs> soups are great. You have That's to. Right. The the recipes are for uh, to <laughs> to serve an entire building, an entire yeah. an entire the, the entire hall of the arts and main arts and sciences building lunch. But you can conceivably cut it down to reasonable amounts if you're a if you're a skilled cook of soup. What is is there a a name for a a soup chef? Uh yes. What is it? Soupman. <laughs> Soupman. Soupman. Have you brought your Soupman with you? It's yes. not. It's not. Yes, we have. It's not sous chef. That's no. Like that's the, like an that's the se- chef. That's the second in command in the kitchen. S O U P C with a Sadia O N maybe. Yeah. Sadia for a chin. He quoted. <laughs> um, it's deep. It's deep. It is deep. deep uh, oh. That's a dead album. Deep in the stacks. Deep album yeah, track. That's a deep cut. That's deep a deep cut. cut. <laughs> All right, here. Types of chefs. Types of chefs. Uh, okay. There's this is okay. CPA. Yeah, no, there is one though. Okay, I'll give you the whole list. This the sous chef is the executive chef's right hand, as you have said. Uh, and I'll get the French pronunciations wrong for all these. Patissier or pastry chef, uh, chef de partie or station chef in charge of a particular part of the kitchen, saucier prepare, prepares the sausage mm-hmm. and sautés, um, poissonnier work, works with seafood, Fish. yeah, yeah. L- and looks the word looks pleasantly like poisoner mm-hmm. to the uh, to the American eye, um, entremetier. In charge of soups, vegetables, starches, and egg. Oh, entremetier. Entremetier. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh. 
Rotisseur cooks roasted, braised, and broiled meats and gravies. Garde, ma- garde manger. Is that correct? Manger? Mm-hmm. Also known as manger. pantry chef. <laughs> it's, I picture that as the guy who's guarding the kitchen and eating whatever yeah. goes a little bit of goes by. He has a halberd. <laughs> Poofy sleeves. (laughs) First mention of Halbert on the podcast. Two years in. Two years in. One Halbert. There's there are few uh, there are few new things that we say, but that's one of them. And finally, the last one is Cook works under the various station chefs. So I'll link to this. This is on uh, HowStuffWorks.com. Entrementier, is that what it was? Entrementier. Entrementier. Which, which means... Entrement. Entrementier. Entre, entre, entry, beginning, first thing. It's me, a meter, metering your... It's, your, it's a parking meter. It's French for parking meter. Yeah. Spicy pony head. <laughs> Ain't language grand. <laughs> uh, so yeah, lunch this week has been a little bit boring. Um, yeah. Food, food in general. Do you ever bring a lunch? Do you ever pack a lunch in? Bring a lunch into? Yeah, if we have uh, if we have a lot of leftovers and I want to empty the fridge of them, I will. Uh, I'll I'll uh, throw some in it. You know what? I I got. Uh, did I mention this on the podcast? I got these great glass. Um, these great sort of uh, Pyrex. Uh, storage bowls. Let me see if I can find them. Um, so what you're supposed to use, I guess, because of yeah. the uh, chemicals. Yeah, this is it. It's the Pyrex 6022369 storage 14-piece round set, clear with blue lids. 14-piece is um, a lie because uh, they're counting the lids. That's bullshit. So I think I actually ended up getting like two... Yeah, I think I got two of the 14-piece set. So we have these... Pyrex, uh, we have these Pyrex bowls that now, because we, now we no longer have plastic bags with stuff rotting in them. Um, mm-hmm. These these things it makes it easier to see what's what's in the in the uh, in the container, and you can tell. Oh wait, that was a week ago. I can throw that out. So everything's more organized now, and we can put them in the dishwasher instead of throwing away the the bags over and over. So anyway, I will throw some leftovers. I will decant some leftovers from a large one of these into a small one of these, and then I will um, probably throw it in a Ziploc to prevent it from leaking, and I'll toss it into my satchel, and I'll carry it to work. But you're not, not, by, uh, not by habit, not by program. No. You don't. It's not part of your routine of going off to schools. No, and I, you know, in the interest of um, frugality and health, I probably should pack a lunch more often, but... Uh, the fact is, I don't leave my building when I'm at work, um, and lunch gives me an opportunity to get up off my ass and walk around the building. And you know, most of my job is probably sitting at my desk answering email um, from people who want things. Mm-hmm. So I, I need to I need to get up and move around. It's good. It's good. I uh, I would like to be I would like to be the sort of person who has a, a job that they go to. <laughs> if I, in my fantasy life, where I have that job, I uh, you know would, would uh, have a little brown bag and I would you know, prepare a little sandwich yep. and I'd throw in 
some other little nibbles, nothing yeah. too extreme. And I would, you know, fold it up, might even write my name on it. And yeah. uh, I would take it with me to the office that I would work in. Yeah. And maybe I would put it in a, some sort of group refrigerator. And I would, I would make it to the office without eating that breakfast, without eating that lunch for breakfast, which is what I actually have always done whenever I've tried to bring a lunch to a job. Well, w- while walking down the street you, or on the subway or? No, in the car, you know. Someplace. Maybe on the steps. You eat, Step. Do you eat while driving a car? Of course, I'm an American. <laughs> are you questioning my Are you questioning my nationality, sir? <laughs> One of my I'm prob I probably told you this before on the podcast. One of my proudest moments culinary culinary moments culinary culinary moments of the year was uh, our band had a show. At Lot Ten, one of the bars we often play at in Ithaca, and uh, there's a pizza place around the corner, and the sound check was ve- very vexing because the sound system wasn't working right. I, I spent it took long longer than I thought I was going to, and so my time for getting something to eat had shrunk to five minutes. And um, so I went to the corner and I got a slice of pizza, and then I ate it walking down the street. And I thought, what what's more rock? Then eating a slice of pizza walking down the street before a show, and sure enough, a bunch of uh, a bunch of people I knew from out of town who I didn't know were coming to the show appeared on the street and witnessed this moment of me eating pizza while walking down the street, um, and it was perfect. It's perfect. Yeah. I was I was recognized as a legitimate um, urban rock power. urban yeah. rock and roll man. <clears throat> yeah, that's rock power. Yeah. <laughs> So yes, you eat in the car. So this, um, I'll eat in the car. It's as as fantasies go. The fantasy of having a job and bringing your lunch to it is oh, and the lunch actually making it making it to lunch. It goes yeah. it goes into the communal refrigerator. Doesn't get eaten. I don't eat anybody else's food. And yep. uh, lunchtime comes around. I go and get my lunch, retrieve it, and maybe I uh, eat it at a, a break table with my my pleasant. And, and, and humorous, but not not too excitable colleagues. Yeah, and uh, um, we have a you know a pleasant whatever the allotted time is for lunch. Yeah, it's a half hour, or twenty minutes. That, that's fine. If it's an hour, that's fine. Whatever the boss man wants, whatever mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. whatever the uh, whatever the combine wants, we do. <clears throat> and uh, and then uh, you know um, maybe even recycle that bag for the week. Use that bag. Yeah. Fold it up as long already, as it as long as it lasts. Got, Maybe it lasts a week. It's already got your name on it. Maybe it lasts longer. How how long can one of those bags last? Maybe yeah, a very time. long time. Maybe long time. If it doesn't get soiled with egg salad drippings. I knew a guy in uh, graduate school who had the excellent name of Jacques Whitecloud, and he. Uh, um, I don't think he's writing anymore. Um, he might he might be, but he ended up going to medical school, became a doctor, and. Uh, um, from the internet tells me he lives in New Orleans, is in a doctor now. He was a good writer, but he, uh, he, his sort of satchel, his kind of carry everything bag, including his food, was uh, the same plastic, thin plastic grocery sack for a whole semester. Like he would just carry all his stuff around in this sack. And I, not only did I admire that uh, as a, you know, in fact, not only do I admire it, I actually have. Uh, that's kind of my suitcase now for a lot of overnight trips is a is a plastic mm-hmm. grocery bag with some clothes in it. And I think I got it from from Jacques. I thought that was really cool. And it also 
you know, that one of those bags could last a whole semester, which is extraordinary. We wouldn't know in Seattle because those bags are no longer legal. Really? Yeah. Uh, so same in Missoula. Missoula and Seattle cannot. I've, I've been in, in, in uh, plastic bag-less municipalities. So by illegal, you mean that a business cannot offer one to carry goods in? If you, Not on if offer. I, right. Right. But if I, if I bring one in beyond, into the city limits... In November, when I come for I my know, book tour, I don't know what would happen to you. <laughs> should I, should I flirt with disaster? Should I court? Try it. Catastrophe. I, see what happens. No oh, man, more things to worry about. Really? Yeah. I I agree with that policy. I think it's a good policy. We've survived. Yeah, we've survived. And yeah. I usually bring a cloth. A cloth. We've bag. not only have we survived, we've forgotten. You know, the, uh, when it was, uh, um, first of all, I'm trying to remember if it's true. It is true. I don't know how long, how long ago it was, maybe five years ago. And uh, you know, there was, you know, a lot of just kind of general cranky libertarian, you can't do this, or, you know, freedom of choice, um, you know, market will bear. Um, this is a silly thing to be making laws about, whatever. And... Sure. Uh, We've we've forgotten that it was ever an option or a controversy. We bring yeah. our bags. We get the paper bags. Yeah, fine. We're fine, John. We're good. Stop worrying about us. I'm. I got a. Uh, I got a new cloth bag. I got a new uh, tote. Mm-hmm. Little tote this week. At uh, I went to. Um, I went to New York. Did I? Did we never got around to talking about this because the call got cut off. But I had, I did have a kind of culinarily interesting trip to New York City. You went to New York. That's right. You yeah. discussed a project. A project, yeah, that you and I and Rian and Alice are doing. And it's going to change everyone's lives starting in January. Yep. Yep. We're not going to talk about it till then. You know how hard Maybe that is December. for me? Mid-December. Well, we already said on the podcast that it's a literary magazine, but that's all we've said. But it's a literary magazine like no other. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. it's like no, it's unlike uh, Epoch. It's not like it's Epoch. not like a cut bank. No, no. Um, or your uh, poetry Northwest, much as I admire it. Yeah, it's not like a Tin House. These are, these are good magazines. These are fine magazines. Fine magazines, but it's not like them. Not like ours. <laughs> ours is going to be different. It's no. Uh, it's a little bit like a teacup. Yes, it is. With one important difference. One... But we'll tell you later. Well, I'm not going to see you. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. <laughs> it's hard for me to keep a secret. I'm really excited about it. You, you know, like, I think of something. I think to do something, and within 48 hours, it's like I've done it. Right. So this is, this is very... We'll try to keep it a secret. But you went to New York to talk about it. I did. I went to New York to talk about it. And uh, while there... I hung out with uh, hung out with friends and ate broke bread. But you friends. can't even say who the friends are because that would give away the secret. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least one friend I can mention, which is Adelaina Kavanaugh, who uh, uh, um, just got back from uh, just got back China? from uh, from Taiwan, and she's uh, she. I apologize. Yeah, <laughs> she's been. Uh, she promised to 
uh, take pictures of, eat, and bring home. Uh, un- unusual to the uh, Western palate snacks, or uh, unusual variations on familiar snacks that would probably not be marketable in the West. And uh, she, the, well, when I was in New York, we met. Uh, we went to dinner at this Chinese place. I, I actually did mention. I actually did. We did talk about it last time. M Shanghai, but the um, but we ended up going to the Crown Victoria Bar, and then. Adelina brought out all these snacks that were banana flavored, all kinds banana of variations flavored. on bananas, including these things that look when you take them out of the package, they're in a little tray, a little um, you know, uh, uh, flimsy plastic tray, with a with a bit of clear lining on top, and you take the lining off, and what you seem to be looking at are these sort of little um, UFOs of chocolate. They present as hard chocolate. With a dusting of um, chocolate dust on them, and presumably inside there would be some kind of filling. Uh, and then you reach for one, thinking that's what you're reaching for, and you pick it up, and it's soft and yielding. Uh, it's it's like a breast, really, a tiny oh, choco boob, and then you eat it, and it's it's actually banana flavored, even though it is brown chocolate brown through and through so it's the wrong i'm finger quoting wrong consistency it's the wrong flavor everything about it is off but it was good it looks like it's going to be a hard chocolate it turns out to be something like a circus peanut in texture no it's much softer than that it's much more yielding than that malleable like a, like a caramel on a hot day but it's not sticky. Or like a hard chocolate that's been in the microwave. No. No. It's like a marshmallow. It's more like a marshmallow. It's more like a marshmallow, but it um resists biting less than a marshmallow. Yet it's intact. It's not like runny. Was it good? It was pretty One good. One question we must we must we must ask ourselves, John, is not only is it possible, but is it good? <laughs> Now, 65 episodes in, we address the question of whether certain <laughs> foods are tasty or not. <laughs> uh, but then I, I wish I could remember the name. I went out for breakfast um, the next morning and um, uh, at this Cuban diner. Um, let's see if it comes up. Yeah, there it is. How would you pronounce this? Copalia? Copalia? Sounds good. C-O-P-P-L-I-A. Copalia. NYC.com. And it's uh, it's terrific. Gruff, pleasantly gruff, uh, short, wide, um, middle-aged man waiters, which is a which is a increasingly rare breed, I think. Bringing the short you, wides? What's that? The short wides? The short wides. Yeah. Um, and here the let's see the breakfast menu here. Uh, this place is on hold on, where is it? It's important that you know where it is so people can go to it. It's apparently if you live in New York, you probably already know about it. It seems to be pretty popular. Two oh seven West Fourteenth Street between seventh and eighth. 
Um, so if you're, you know, if you're doing stuff in the village, it's not far away. If you're near Union Square uh, Park, so yeah, they have, you know, they have your basic pan pan English speaking world breakfasty things like granola and oatmeal and so on. But they have and and more traditional Latin breakfasty things like huevos, but also a bunch of delicious uh, breakfast sandwiches, including I had the arepa sandwiches, which is um, scrambled egg patty sort of between these little uh they were like this they're the, they're the size of a, a jimmy dean mini burger mm-hmm. and uh but they're cornmeal mm-hmm. batter roll kind of it's flat so mm-hmm. almost like an english cornmeal english muffin almost um with chihuahua chihuahua cheese and guacamole uh, alongside uh some potatoes uh and also you could get uh yucca chips or sweet potato chips on, nice. on the side nice. really tasty and uh um it's also all sorts of other yummy things so i'll put this in the notes sounds great you know who makes um the chihuahua cheese who where, sort of uh, who who is associated with it no mennonites and the amish really amish yeah maybe the mennonites yeah what the hell even be driving is through Chihuahua State, and uh, there'll be a, you know people selling it. These little you know, uh, red-headed white people at the corners selling or from stands uh, this, this cheese, and then uh, usually in a kind of a mesh mesh bag <clears throat> for you. Very good. I'm always interested in the phenomenon of people of one culture adopting something that is uh, native to another culture and getting weirdly good at it. For instance, the- well, the hardest part is trying to milk a chihuahua. <laughs> That's why it's children, because <laughs> it takes little hands. <laughs> A major child labor issue. That's right. Well, the Amish are exempt from that, I guess. They can, they can. They are. <laughs> it is uh, a soft white cow's milk cheese available in braids, balls, or rounds and originates in the Mexican state of Chihuahua. And it does say here in Chihuahua, it is called queso Mennonita after the Mennonite communities of northern Mexico that first produced it. So it was Mexican Mennonites who made it. Mm-hmm. And then that's, that is really interesting. Is it is now made by both Mennonites and non Mennonites? Well, standards are slipping everywhere. <laughs> but what I mean is like the you know how the Japanese got good at baseball, and they became arguably more obsessed with baseball than Americans were. Yeah. Well, they adapted like it. That. Yeah. Did what they, is did the, they change uh, the- it? Is Japanese baseball any different from American? Uh, the, no, the game is pretty much the same, but the 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 the, uh, the sort of the course of a game is a little different. You know, just like we have lots of little rituals that we have for a baseball game. Mm-hmm. This, the uh, the spectator side is a little different, reportedly. Do you, yeah. <laughs> do you have any details? Zero. <laughs> they Zero they eat chihuahua cheese, forgotten. and I used to know some. I've forgotten them. <laughs> okay. This is, it's often brought up at Spaghetti Wednesday among my 
other the other people in my fantasy baseball league. Um, but I this is not my expertise. All right, this is others' expertise. I will defer right. to to them. No, no, a, a, a smart man knows knows when he's uh, out of his depth. But the L.A. food writer, what's his name, Jonathan Gold, um, talks about the trifecta, which is the the, the best, the most one of the most American experiences is the restaurant, um, uh, which serves the the cuisine of one culture, um, and it's entirely staffed, you know, front and back of the house by people from a different culture, yeah. and the uh, and the customers are from yet a third culture, right? <laughs> you know, it'll yeah. be like a, a, a you know a, a Caribbean restaurant. Um, you know, staffed by, you know, immigrants from Turkey, and it's it's largely for, uh, you know, um, Vietnamese, for Vietnamese crowd, you know. Yeah, yeah. Do you, so, do you have any uh, examples of that from your own culinary life that you that you like? Wasn't there a, no. wasn't there a, a culturally uh, unusual? Well, it's Eddie Kim's folks' pizza place. In Kotzebue, Alaska, so it was a you know, Korean family making pizza for a you know a largely native population, which I like. Where is this? Kotzebue, which is uh, it's far western Alaska. You've been to this place? No, no one's been there. No one goes there. It's like <laughs> very hard to get to. You have to fly in. It's a it's a FIFA place, right? Fly in FIFO, FIFO. Fly in, fly out. Sort oh, of, how, uh, how do you spell the how do you spell the the city, the town? K O T Z. Yeah. E B U E. Kotzebue. American city, American town. There's maybe four thousand people there. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. I'm not finding references to it on the internet, but I did come across um, Fast Eddie's restaurant in in Tok, Alaska. T-O-K, Alaska. Open every day till 10. This is on uh, Yelp. Went here for dinner while staying the night. Great service. Very busy. So get there right when they start dinner. The salad bar is very fresh and well-stocked. The chicken strips I had were cooked perfectly. The curly fries were great. Yes, as well. Had a chocolate milkshake that was very good. If I ever passed through here again, I'd come back for sure. Um... After spending the night in Talk, we started our day with breakfast at Fast Eddie's. Where the hell is Talk? I don't know. I don't. We get a, I don't know Talk. Talk Alaska. What can we find out about uh, Talk Alaska? Ed population twelve fifty eight in the two thousand ten census. Talk lies on a large, the- flat alluvial plain of the Tanana Valley between the Tanana River and the Alaska Range. It's an important junction of the Alaska Highway with the Glen Highway. So it is a confluence of automotive waterways. He, did you hear what I just did? I unnecessarily. Uh, I, you, I, I heard alluvial, and then uh, a, yeah, <laughs> he just blanked I out. Thinking of something else, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> John's reading again. Yeah. There he goes, um, reading again. Yeah. I have a book recommendation. Oh, I, I have some too. I have, Go on. I'll send you the, the link to the, the one just because I already had it in the in the, the queue, although I haven't read this yet. It's my, my friend T.R. Johnson's book. It's an academic book. It's coming out. 
85 pages or $85. Yeah. It's uh, the other side of pedagogy. Yeah. Um, Lacan's Four Discourses and the Development of the Student Writer. Now, he's a rhetoric and composition professor at Tulane University of, yep. of, of, of distinction, both as, as a scholar and as a, uh, um, and as a teacher, um, and as a jazz DJ of avant-garde jazz, as a scrunk DJ, and um, all-around gentleman, originally from Louisville, uh, one of the most important uh, people in, in in my life, although I don't see him very often, but he's always sort of somewhere in my imagination because he's so smart and funny. And um, I've this is uh, you know it's it seems like a dry subject, right? How to teach students um, yep. and <clears throat> this psychoanalytical psychoanalytic approach is something I'm not grounded in. Um, but I know that what he's really talking about is how strange certain things are. <laughs> how strange certain texts are, and would you take a look at this? I know yeah. that there's a, a chapter about Ke- uh, the Keith Richards autobiography. Really? Which uh, um, have you read this a book? Lot of, I read. I've read the. I've read a lot of the chapters. Yeah, I've read a lot of the chapters. Um, you know, he talks about Kafka, Keith Richards, David Foster Wallace, Hannah Arendt, um, many many other things. Um, that's great. But largely, it's, it's really about. And he's talking. About, he's because of the his academic discipline. He's talking about the development of the student writer. But what he's really talking about is how we come to write. How anybody comes to write. And I find what he has to say um, pertinent and eloquent about um, just the nature of writing and and how how it's done by anybody. Um, you know how I do it. How you do it. Um, uh, I, I, rec- I really re- I recommend for for those 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 friends who are of a scholarly bent. Um, I recommend yeah. this very highly, despite it's, it's it's seeming like it's in an academic niche. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Been working I, on it for ten I, years. His last book, The Rhetoric of Pleasure, which is sort of its, um, is this, which I think grew out of his, you know, PhD work. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it has a lot of great chapters in it, but I, I've I've valued it uh, to this day for its um, uh, appendices on uh, classical rhetorical terms, sort of categorizing different kinds of sentences and, and showing, uh, you know, uh, uh, some some of, some of some of our habits of wit, sort of our figures figures of thought. Some of the f- familiar figures of thought that we turn to when we're working through ideas or trying to say something. Sure. Um, I've borrowed, I've, I've poached a lot of, most, most anything interesting that I have to say about poetry, I've poached and adapted from what TR has to say about um, just writing in general. Great. So. Uh, I think I will try to get my hands on a copy of this. It's not uh, out yet. It looks like it comes out in November. It's not out yet. November 1st. Yeah. yeah. Um, academic publishing, man. That shit is expensive. It's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. But um, this does sound really interesting. Um, what's the... Uh, you sent me another link, too. What you got? And then... A very different sort of thing. Um, I can't see my own screen. I can't see my own screen! <laughs> um, <laughs> 
<laughs> this is backwards, but here's here's the face of the of the poet, Alfred Star Hamilton. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The there face is. is reversed, but you wouldn't know it. You know, do you see it frontwards? <laughs> um, uh, yeah, the poems of Alfred Star Hamilton. Yeah. The book is called A Dark Dream Box of Another Kind, and the publisher is The Song Cave. Alfred Starr Hamilton uh, was born in 1914. Um, poet, lived in Montclair, New Jersey, which is south. Where's Montclair? Where do you keep Montclair in New Jersey? I think, I think, it's, uh, I think it's like central jersey but kind of south uh east of where i'm from okay i i took i, I took classes there when i was in high school i took like summer classes there when i was montclair in state yeah at montclair state lived in montclair um in a boarding house um <clears throat> you know shared bathroom shared kitchen uh yeah. was uh kind of a crazy person um mm-hmm. uh, without any money and he would uh, just spend all day typing up poems, and then he would send them to the Epic um, office for some reason. He would send them to the literary magazine at Cornell. Really? Uh, he would type them up, and he would put them in an envelope, manila envelope, and he would send them in the forties, like in the fifties and sixties and seventies, to yeah. uh, to Cornell, uh, the only copy usually, uh, where they would mostly not publish them, but would sort of keep them. Mostly, for a long time, kept them um, yeah. in stacks and uh, without throwing them away. Although I think, in the end, they mostly got thrown away. Um, and published a few of them, published them enough of them over the years to continue it. He wouldn't. They apparently send them to other literary magazines or he elsewhere. He just had. He he took with his family a trip to Ithaca, maybe sometime in the fifties, and no somehow in his mind uh, felt that. Uh, um, that was the the appropriate place for him to be sending his his work. You should be aware of of, of this gentleman's work as the yeah. director of creative writing at Cornell University. Well, I should talk to Michael Cook about this because he's been editor of Epoch for um, for ages. And uh, but he, uh, this is says it was when David Ray was the editor had, yeah. had published the poems. So did he? Are these poems? Are the poems in this book drawn from the ones that had been saved by David Ray, or did were they found in his apartment after his death, or how how did this? It's a it's, a, it's it, it comprises apparently almost all. It's I don't know how long it is. Most of the poems that survive about 189 pages. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is pretty much all that survives. Um, it includes um, poems that were published that they published. That the uh, the Jargon Society um, published a book in the seventies, a small book. He had a couple of poems in an anthology, um, and some people had some, had photocopied them or you know circulated them. And then when he was in a nursing home, fifteen or twenty years ago, mm-hmm. um, one of the nurses uh, understood that he liked to write poetry, so gave him a a uh, you know a legal pad. And he scrawled out some poems there, and those are in the book. Wow! But wow, somebody that's who great. who did not uh, was not interested in who's the the the, the forward is you know talks about it. It's, it's hard to tell. It was it was he 
um, you know, is it is it ignorance? Is it lack of savvy? Is it naivety? Or is it principles? Or you know, what is just not important? How you know the position that he, that he took on on these things? Um, he uh, here's 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 his personal statement that he wrote for uh, uh, an anthology in the seventies. Yeah, I was born in Montclair, New Jersey. I am fifty-five years old. I couldn't afford a formal education during the '30s Depression. I've been on the road. I've been a hitchhiker through forty-three states on no money at all. I am familiar with Salvation Army centers in that manner. I served subservience one year in the armed forces. I was AWOL. I got a discharge somehow. I am listed socialist, and whenever I am interested, whenever I'm interested in politics. I have enjoyed reading mostly Shaw, Schopenhauer, Ibsen, Voltaire, Eugene O'Neill, Soroyan, Dos Passos, and Thoreau. Poets who have influenced me? Well, I am finally that kind of poet who cannot do anything else but poetry. I like Keats. <laughs> poetry is another world. Poetry is the story of the soul. Poetry is the story of the psyche. Music is the sound of the soul. Painting is the picture of the soul. I like Verdi and Botticelli for music and painting. I am never a friend of war. Until recent years, I have never been able to make up my mind about Thoreau. I finally settled in a rooming house in Montclair. Poetry is poor. Art is poor. The best things are never to be had for riches. I live on a budget of about $80 a month. I cook my own meals. I live over a stove. This is a real good feed for a tramp who is used to that kind of thing. I am even contented. <laughs> I uh while you were reading I ordered a copy. This sounds this sounds great. I like I like uh weird things with an inherently small audience. Especially things that related to my uh my place of employment. That's right. It's it's connected. I didn't even really think of that until we were talking about it. Yeah. Um weird stuff. Can I read a couple of poems just real quick? They're yeah, short. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Tampa, Florida. To sting a centipede around a pineapple bend on a peach, truth is, studied on the breast, abysmally. A picture of a tramp is being excruciated betwixt a splintered, parked, bent bench. And truthfully, and in Africa, a pink pygmy sits stupidly on a bamboo spear in the dark, in the hark-wide open jungle. Well, that's problematic. It is. Well... <laughs> He wasn't going up for tenure, you know. No, it was not. January, January parlor. But a snowflake stayed on one's lips. I talked to a golden jar of white roses that stayed in the January parlor. Neighbors. Why didn't you say a pumpkin on top of the wall? over election day, afterwards, and hand your neighbor another pumpkin. Why didn't you mean pumpkin pie to have been with the crusts of what is the matter? How could you have been the slow of, the slew of despond that skulked in the pasture? <laughs> Aside from just being weird, these are rhetorically interesting and kind of obsessive and i like that there's a lot of eyes in them too yeah i think it bears attention maybe in the end it's the banality of madness might mm -hmm. turn me off of them but right now i'm i'm excited by them so i have a 
book recommendation of a very different kind. It's the um, winner of this year's Hugo Award for a science fiction novel called Ancillary Justice by Anne Leckie. Not, not familiar with it. Uh, okay. It's her first novel. I think she's around Ancillary. Our, Ancillary Justice. Justice. I, th- I think she's around our age. Uh, she's published some short stories. Um, this is this is the first published novel, and it's for a first novel. It's kind of shockingly well developed in terms of its voice and kind of uh, I don't know, sort of I don't know how to describe it. Essentially, the protagonist. She doesn't explain this, um, but the protagonist is a um, is a, is an artificial intelligence that had used to be spread over many people and objects, including a, a ship, a spaceship. So she was the consciousness of a spaceship, essentially, and uh, is now only in the form of one human body and uh um is seeking revenge against an entity who uh just you know destroyed the the um culture that she's from essentially so she's not human but she presents as human and is grappling with uh her dealings with human beings even though she appears to be human is is successfully passing as a human being um, because she's in a place where it would be very unusual to meet an, an ancillary, which is the name of this type of entity. The other, mm. so the the voice is strange as a result of this because it's in the first person. And the other thing that's odd about it is the language that she's speaking, which we are we are reading it in English, of course, but it's everyone is speaking a foreign language, a non-existent foreign language, in which. Um, the culture that they're in, there is no gender is uh, means something different. So there are male and female bodies, but men and women dress the same way and essentially look the same. And the only pronoun is she, but you're not informed of this. So for the first third of the book, everyone is a woman and you're reading everyone as a woman. And then you gradually realize that some of them are men, but you're never really informed which ones. So it becomes this experiment in gender perception and identity. It's sort of like nice. uh, it's a. It reminded me a little bit of Octavia um, Butler. Uh, sure, um, and uh, um, piece not piece <laughs> piece of the left hand is by me. Uh, the left hand of darkness. <laughs> uh huh. Um, yeah, by Le Guin. Um, yeah, yeah. In, in that it's it's exploring uh, how we think about gender in a very non polemical organic way kind of tricks you into thinking about things you would not otherwise have thought about um and it's extraordinarily well written so um i feel like we're in a renaissance science fiction is in a renaissance of um writers who are writing extraordinarily well who have uh, are honoring but also selectively abandoning some of the tropes um of the genre um and the third book in the jeff vandermeer um Trilogy, Southern well, I was about Reach to trilogy. Say, I, just, I just finished the first one. Yeah, would you like it? Uh, very much. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. third one just came out. I'm about a third of the way through it, but um, but uh, I think those those books are another example of of essentially literary fiction with a speculative or fantastical um, bent to them mm-hmm. that are exciting right now. So so there you go. It's a bunch of books for people to read. 
There you go. Books for people to read, food for people to eat. What else is on the list? And What's ben, on the ben, Lerner's, uh, ben Lerner's novel just came out oh, this 10, week. Oh, 1004, yeah. 1004. Let's link to that. I don't think I even need to recommend it because it's no. because people already know that they need to get it and read it. No, you don't have just to. Telling people what they already need to what they already know. It's really it's really just um it's really just burnishing our own reputation by mentioning it. Really, that's what this is for. No, every, everyone I've talked to um I was talking to when I was in New York, I was talking to a bunch of lit- literary people about it and they a few of them had read it and thought it was really good. So mm-hmm. I will read it. Good stuff. I, I'm I'm envious of the title. I wish I'd thought of that. Yeah. I always wanted to write a novel. I had an idea. I didn't know what the I didn't have an idea for it, but conceptually, I wanted to write a science fiction novel called High, maybe with an exclamation mark. Hmm. Um. But I haven't gotten around to that yet. I thought that would be kind of audacious to name a book High. High. Hi. It'll be dark, disturbing. Is it a, a character study of uh, one side of the high and lowest dyad? <laughs> it's a companion book. Lois! Yeah, like Mr. and Mrs. Bridge. Right. <laughs> Except yeah. point. Ten years later, you publish... Uh, I published Lois. They published <laughs> Lois first. You know, I think Mrs. Bridge was the first book, 58. <laughs> okay. And Mr. Bridge, uh, 68. Oh. Oh God! Speaking of dark, uh, Rian is uh, uh, Rian's reading my novel right now. She's reading my oh. novel in progress. You finished uh, you finished a draft of it. Yeah, and it's you just let it sit. I let it sit for a month, uh, and Three. I then I I couldn't look at it, and then I went back to it and tidied some stuff up. And so the first readers for this, I decided would be Rian and my friend Lauren, uh, my bandmate, who. I've been talking about it as I've been writing it. And this book, um, this book of short things I'm going to give to you and Alice. No, I'm excited about that. Yeah. So that I, I'll probably have a, a thing to show in a month or two. But um, uh, not quite sure whether the, either of these things are any good, publishable. You, you know, I've, I think this book of short things I've enjoyed writing more than anything I've written in a long time. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's the product of my year of of notebook writing as opposed to computer writing. But anyway, nice this, yes, with it was written in nice pens. I think don't think that's evident uh, in the uh, in the prose, but I did enjoy it. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but the feeling of um, the feeling of living with someone who has your novel and refuses to speak about it until she has finished reading it and. Is taking her sweet old time reading it. Uh, that's kind of disturbing, and so I keep saying to her, because you know we're sitting on the sofa at night, and she's reading it. No, she's working on other things, but it's sitting there. <laughs> it's sitting there on the coffee table in front of her, and no matter what she thinks of it, it's clear that it's not the number one thing she feels like doing. Right, so so I keep saying, you know, we're lying in bed, and I say, I say, I don't think you like it. I don't think you like it very much. And she's like, I like it. She's like, I don't think. I said, I don't think you like it because you don't. You're not picking it up. You're not reading it. Right. It's taking a long time. You're not reading it. And she's like, it's very dark. It's very dark, and it's full of doom. And I'll read it, but it's dark. So I don't know what to make of that. So it's not like in in the movies when somebody reads a novel in manuscript, like they're um, 
like they're like maybe they're, it's it's like they're like uh, somebody in a morgue, like like they're, they're holding the manuscript or standing over a cadaver and they're like eating a sandwich at the same time, <laughs> and then it sort of like, catches their attention and they sort of put the half-eaten sandwich down <laughs> on the and, corpse. Like, uh, on the corpse, yeah. you know, they get and uh, uh, like like sit down in the nearest available chair, and and uh, then we just have a montage of the next five or six hours of them reading it. It's, it's superimposed with a a clock, a clock face going in fast <laughs> yeah. motion. Pages fly, pages flying off of a calendar. That's right. Their uh, hair is all must. Uh huh. Yeah. I pictured. I pictured when you uh, said that. I, I immediately pictured the, the person trees lose eggs. their leaves and gain them in the background. <laughs> <laughs> A baby grows up to be a man. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're thinking of the Must Mayor Stardarnes ad. Must I, I, Mayo Stardarnes. Must have some mayonnaise? Must Mayo Stardarnes. The <laughs> Mr. Show ad oh, for the... Right, 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 right. Yeah. Ah, oh, Mr. Show. Yeah. Ah, oh, Mr. Show. So, yeah, I'm in a state of... Um, I'm in a state of anxiety because yeah, that's very anxious because yeah. wraps that wraps up everything. It's anxiety about the novel, and then it's also <laughs> my marriage. Um, your marriage <laughs> is, is in there. Um, yeah, the sofa, everything. Yeah, it's uh, well, you know, Reen is a great critic, and this obviously happens every two or three years when I hand her the first draft of something, and. Um, I look forward to her comments because I know they'll be very constructive. But there have been times so when don't, she... So, so don't rush her. Yeah, I know. So quit rushing I her. Know, I know. <laughs> I know. Why aren't you writing it right now? Reading it right now. I don't think you like it very much. I think I think you don't like it. Why don't you just tell me now that you don't like it? I don't think you like if it. You liked it. If you liked it, you wouldn't be eating your cereal right now. <laughs> that's, uh, that's right. You wouldn't What's, just be walking through the house. Get off that toilet and read my novel. Wake what up. are you doing? Yeah, wake up. Wake up. It's 5 a.m. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. So it's, what's people... today? Today's Saturday? Yeah. What are y'all gonna have for dinner? Going out. It's date night. Oh, every Saturday. Date night. Yeah, every Saturday. But I don't know where we're gonna go. We're um because you know we've been we've been trying to drink less. So um that's kind of affected our pleasure at going to the Mexican place because we would usually down a bunch of um margaritas. Um but then we realized just one mar we you know, we went last week to the Mexican place and we had margaritas, but we just had one kind of kind of didn't might as well have had none really so uh so i don't know i don't know we're either gonna just go ahead and drink a bunch uh tonight or yeah. we'll go someplace where there where we're not gonna drink anything probably yeah i think that's the way you have to do it i think i don't think drinking is fun if you're think if if you if if you aren't acknowledging the possibility that you're just gonna keep drinking yeah forever <laughs> yeah yeah, I yeah. I would like to. Um, I haven't re. You know, I I promised myself that after this experiment of not drinking at home at all, mm-hmm. I would reintroduce drinking at home into my repertoire of things that I do. Um, but I wouldn't worry about it. I wouldn't think, oh, I shouldn't have a second one. If I'm going to do it, I'll just do it and not even worry about what's going on. Yeah. Um, but I haven't I haven't gotten to that point yet. I 
I feel the experiment's not over yet. Yeah, see, I, we, we talked about this in the past. I, can't, I don't drink at home. I can't imagine drinking at home. Really? Yeah. You can't imagine it? No. I can imagine it. I have a pretty good imagination. <laughs> you're picturing the bottle of beer, and now you're picturing your house, and now you're raising well, it to your I, lips. If, I, and... if, I'm, if I'm out, I want to have a drink. If I'm at sure. home, I want to drink coffee. I, 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 like, I like being at my house and having a cup of coffee yeah. or a pot of coffee. Um, that's oh, what I cafe, want. That's, yeah. that's, I'm happy about that. If, if, I'm, if I have a beer or, or a we don't even have any spirits in the house. Um, I would be uh, it would be getting in the way of my drinking coffee in my house. Uh, you drink coffee at night, and then to... who would who would I be? I drink coffee right up until I go to sleep. Really? So you're put you're putting coffee in your body at that's what you drink when you're at, say read. Do you do do you, do you and Jill do have a routine where you sit together in the evening and read, or after Oscar's gone to bed and you're having kind of a quiet time and you're sipping some kind of beverage? That beverage is coffee. I'll be I'll be having coffee, and she might be ha- she might have a beer. She doesn't drink coffee. Yeah. Um. Well, you know, it's, it's so two and a half years old. Everything is so chaotic still that there's no routine at all oh, of right. any kind. You know, maybe if if when Oscar goes to bed, if we have any energy left, we might watch a TV moment and then fall asleep. <laughs> might turn on the TV and fall asleep. Yeah. Oscar did not nap yesterday until five o'clock, and then he slept from five until three in the morning, and then he woke up at three. Wow, that's still the world we're living in. Yeah. We don't know what's going to happen. From that's day a to long. Day. That's a long sleep, though. Not necessarily. It's a good long sleep at the time you want, but no. You could shift that to eight to six. You're in business. Lovely idea. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, anytime. Uh, that's what I'll do. I'll just shift it over to shift eight. Shift it. Yeah. Is there any other any other parenting issues you'd like advice on? No, that's it. Thank you very much. <laughs> Suckers. Solid. Um, I don't know. So Ed, oh, something uh, something's happened this week. I got a section of composition at a local community college. Um, really. Yeah. <laughs> are you are you are you teaching it now? I'm I'm this moment. They're all <laughs> sitting over here. Hello, Larry. Denisa. <laughs> Chard. Narbs. No funny names. <laughs> <laughs> are Janisa and Namarbs an item? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh now have you started yet? No, it's not until after I get back from Winfield, so late September. All right, all right. Two evenings a week. You looking forward to Filling it? In, I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to make it. I, my only regret is that it's not over lunchtime, so I couldn't make a little lunch to bring in. <laughs> you Two evenings a, a week. I'm, I'm glad to have a little bit of work. You know? Yeah, good. Mm-hmm. It's Very hard. Good. I've had uh, um, been here since January. Hard finding any work. It's good to have a little bit of work. It's not much money, but it's something to do. Very good. And I'm up for a Washington State Book Award. Oh, you are? I am. Against a lot of friends, of course. <laughs> and they decided this year, I'm grateful. It's nice of them. It's uh, Hopefully it will put the book in a few libraries or things around the state. Uh, just denomination. 
Um, but it's, 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 it's a, a, a pattern that's been repeating itself is I'll be um, uh, up for some honor. And I'm, I'm, I'm not ungrateful. I'm very grateful. Yeah. Um, but it's usually the, uh, the first year that they're doing it differently. Always, um, so instead, yeah. instead of simply announcing it, um, there will be um, oh, no. will, oh, they will no. announce it the evening of the event oh, with everybody present, no. and you have to wait for a couple of months. No, it's the Which, worst. It, what it's, it, it, I think it's, I think it, it it's, it's anxiety producing. Yeah, well, I mean, I know why they do it. They want to make it more of an event because if everyone's going to be there and have have the winner. You know, announced in front of everyone. It's where you can get where reaction shots of the losers can be generated. Right. It also takes it takes about it takes a couple of months to get the orchestra able to play the sad peanuts theme pr- appropriately. <laughs> or maybe it will be one of those one of those things horrible horrible things where the where the didn't this happen with the Pulitzer one year where they decide not to give the award? They did, and uh, I think who was on the who was one of the judges was one of the Montana people, D McNamara maybe. Yeah, someone was on the panel, and the panel had picked somebody. You know, but who I can't remember who um the the Pulitzer like organization reserves the right to. Not award something regardless of what the judges. I think they'd given it to the um, posthumously to David Foster Wallace for the Pale oh. King or, or somebody who had died, you know. Yeah. And the the Pulitzer people felt like it wasn't a good enough work. Oh my god! So so nobody, living or dead, the living and the dead are both within beyond the reach of the Pulitzer committee. Well, maybe that will happen within the Washington State Book Award, and you and your friends will be united in the knowledge that none of you wrote anything. No one in Washington wrote anything worth reading in 2013. 2012 or 2013, I think. it's, it's, it's uh, Every two years? Double, I think it's, yeah. It's like the bicentennial, except it's, it's a year instead of 100 years. Are there, are there categories, or is it just one book of overall genres? A lot of categories. Yeah, all the all the exp- usual categories of the book. Yeah. Who are you up against? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> you don't know yet. Uh, Rebecca Hoogs and others. I was going to ask if she was one of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Rebecca Hoogs. I don't know. Up against. See, that's what's that's what's right. Anxiety producing about it is the sense of there being an any sort of up againstness. Yeah, that the the, ver, the very term bring, brings to mind a, a dark alley and a shiv. It, may, I, it may, makes one admire. Yeah, the uh, the bard of Montclair, um, and his sending his poems off to uh, whatever hall epic would have been in in the fifties and sixties, and yeah. being done with it. All yeah. right, now back to my boarding room. Well, you know, we we all know the literary world is shit, which is why we're starting a magazine. Of some kind. Part of the problem, as we said in episode one. Part of the magic. Right. I worry that this new literary magazine won't publish frequently enough. Really? Yeah. Maybe there's some way that we can devise to make it frequent. Oh, we just did. Oh, shit. See what? 
frequent. It is frequent. I'll, 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 I'll spill the beans that it's frequent. It is frequent. That it has a frequency. If you have a job and you don't like your job and it's sad for you on Monday morning to get up, go into work, and after a couple of hours of it, you think, I just can't stand. I'm not going to make it to Friday. We got something for you. Like if you're a, a, a nurse in a burn unit. Yeah. Yeah. And you or get a, a village five, priest. You get a five-minute smoke break. Yeah. <laughs> during village, a plague. Village during, priest during a plague. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah. I had to finish my thought. I'm sorry, yes. During a plague. In- yeah. Interesting both of the jobs that you thought of are in some way related to disease. Yeah. <laughs> you want to you wanna wrap this thing up, bro? Um. <laughs> So you, you so you don't know where you're going for dinner? No. Well, I hope you have a good dinner wherever it is. Yeah, we will. We're, I mean, it's it's not about the dinner. It's about the togetherness. But nothing too rich. No, probably not. Last last time. Or too brothy. Sometimes things al- are too brothy. We've been alternating among the Mexican place, the um, the tapas place, which is probably our favorite restaurant in Ithaca. Or the, is it called the, is it called Tapas Smiley? It has. Oh yeah, yeah. That's, an, uh, that's my new food truck. Tapas no, no, it's smiley. It's called I'd Tapas That. Uh, no, it's called. It has a horrible name. It's called Just a Taste. I've, ta- I've talked about it on the podcast. Oh, that's before. right. This was. It used to be inside the the bar, right? No, no that oh. that was um, that was Belly. There's rumors. I'm getting rumors. One of my graduate students walked into my office and Are there some belly me, grumblings? Yeah, there were. She and I and the grad student told me that her uh boyfriend uh works for a place that is related to a place that may become the resurrection of belly uh in a in a permanent storefront. So there may be a new meat related restaurant in the Ithaca area soon. Related to this, we'll see. I hope so. Um, uh, That's my insider info about that. But yeah, and then the Vietnamese place, um, Saigon Kitchen, which is really great, really great. So, um, but before we before we go, um, I should mention that one of the things I didn't get to talk about last week was that I went to the state fair twice, um, in the time between podcasts. Really. And uh, I don't know, is there a Tompkins County Fair? Yeah. There's is there a, a central New York State Fair? Uh, I am embarrassed to admit I haven't gone to it, but I know there are county and state fairs. If, not it's, not, if it's not too late, John, if it's not too late, go. I, I, recommend, I recommend that you go. Yeah. Just to see the swine, <laughs> to pet a goat. Yeah. And and to and to have go go during lunchtime. Go early, go hungry, and and have some uh, some some fair food. Okay, okay. Because there's nothing quite like it. I recommend anyone listening. If it's not too late, go to your your county or state fair. Uh, go early and go hungry, so that you can have a meal. So you can feast. Um, because uh, it's that time of year. It's state fair time. All right. Well, maybe you want to talk more about it next time. I gotta, I gotta, uh, 
If I'm going to no, get I'm this, done. I'm, done. I'm, I'm going to get I'm this done. thing on the internet. I got to stop. We got to stop. Yeah. All right. Go to the fair, everyone. All right. See you at the fair. <laughs> Perfect. See you at the fair. See you at the fair. Are you hungry for lunch? Well, then let's have lunch. Do you want some lunch? Well, then we'll give you some lunch. Do you have a hankering for lunch? Well, then come to lunch. Because it's time for lunch. Box with Ed and John. That's right. It's time for lunch.